Our next writer, Zelda Riando, lives in Brixton and is one of the organisers of the Brixton Book Jam. <laughs> She's the author of three books, Kappa Scripti, Fukushima Dreams, and Good Morning, Mr. Magpie, which she will be reading from this evening. She's a contributor to the Poetry Library and an occasional journalist. When not writing, she can be found child wrangling and making digital products. Please welcome Zelda Riando to the stage. Thank you, Jess. Just a minute, while I turn it to midget. Hello, can you hear me? That's probably a pity. Oh, thank you very much. Brilliant. Okay, um, as Jess said, I'm going to be reading from Good Morning, Mr. Magpie, featuring our very own Ruby Stewart. Put your hand up. Uh, so she'll be fact-checking me all the way through. Uh, it's about a woman who does everything the magpies tell her to. So without further ado... In a typical week, 25 cases went through the mortuary. At least half of those were infants, stillbirths, sudden death syndrome, some abuse cases. And every week there were hangings, drownings, and asphyxiations, a tide of suicides washing up on the doorstep of the mortuary, like flotsam from the Thames, overlapping at the riverbank threatening to overwhelm them. This week was no exception. Seven cases, five men, two women. There were always more men, it seemed, of all ages, but 50-plus were the most common, peaking in the winter months. A couple of times a week, there'd be a jumper, some poor sod whose last action was to delay the journeys of thousands of people across the train network. Less frequent were the bridge jumpers. Was it because of the lack of witnesses? Or a worry that a jump from a bridge might not be guaranteed fatal? Such questions were academic, a matter for the number crunchers. Not something that Ruby usually had time to ponder when she was flat out trying to keep ahead of the backlog. The new locum had called in sick again, and it seemed like it wouldn't be too long until the doctor signed him off. Stress. It got some people like that. Death. Day in, day out. The full spread of human wickedness and weakness. So Ruby was down a body already, and the vice was off to annual leave. Joy. Fingers crossed there weren't any major incidents, or they'd be fucked comprehensively. Ruby started assigning cases to the people that were in giving herself the most complex, and making sure she balanced the infants and the adults. There was nothing worse than a whole day of babies, and few people had the mental fortitude to handle more than one infant abuse case a week. It was best to get these over early in the day and follow them with a couple of the more academic jobs. Speaking of which, Prof was due in on Tuesday, as he regularly did, to consult on some of the more abstruse and complex cases. It was probably about time she mentioned the messages to him. Hadn't seemed smart to do it by email. 
She should have said something after the first one, or at least the second. Now she's not quite sure how to broach the subject. She had no proof except some almost invisible cuts and a collection of scraps of paper in her pocket. It was true, they'd all been men, all middle to old aged, and they'd all apparently hung themselves. But that was not enough in itself to build a pattern. Why these few, amongst the 200 people a year that die alone, with no one to arrange their funerals or treasure their effects? Old, male, and white. They were scattered all over South London. Someone has a problem with old white men? There have been five of them now. Ruby didn't know where to start, so she started with a list. Lists had always worked for her. In the left column, the victim's vitals. Name, age, gender, cause of death. Then next to that, P for possible, question mark for maybe, and X for no connection, clean. She was going to have to go back over the cases she'd already cleared, those that were still in the fridges, awaiting proper disposal, and satisfy herself she hadn't missed any clues. Ruby made herself a cup of tea and sat down at her desk again to mull over the problem. There must be a pattern. It was clear that the marks had been added after death. There was no blood around the neat incisions. So there must be a who and a when. Someone had access to the mortuary. There's no point looking for camera footage. No CCTV. Fingerprints? That kind of stuff lived in books. And anyway, the whole place was steam-cleaned regularly from top to bottom, with daily scrub-downs of all the work areas. The marks had been made by a surgical-quality instrument, probably a scalpel, of which there were many in the mortuary. One less would never be noticed. So, who and when? Hard questions to answer, and no clues apart from the fact that the body couldn't have been frozen when they were marked up. So, before, during, or after the first post-mortem, but before they went in the freezer, or immediately after death, which would suppose a single person there at, or shortly after, the time of death in each case. That didn't make sense. For someone to be connected to the deaths of so many random people would suppose they were a serial killer. In that case, why would they leave so many clues? Unless it was some kind of calling card. A lot of questions. Ruby was used to answering questions. After all, the key question she had to answer daily was, what was the exact cause of death? Which sometimes took considerable pathological detective work, not to mention a wide understanding of human nature and habits. Usually, the detective work started and ended in the mortuary. The real crimes handed over to forensic pathology, the investigation managed by the police. Again, she came back to the how. Hypothesis one, the cuts were inflicted immediately post-death. Unlikely, due to lack of blood, local trauma. The cuts were too fine. Sometimes suicide victims weren't found for days. 
Okay, within 24 hours of death, maybe they stuck around to commune with the body for some reason. Hypothesis two, the marks appeared after the body was transferred to the hospital. Access to tools, access to a range of bodies to add the marks to. And why? Maybe it was some kind of tagging system, a series of messages or warnings, not a murderer, but a subtle way of linking a series of deaths as if to say, investigate me, please. And only likely to be noticed by Ruby or Zoe, who would tell Ruby immediately if she found something weird. Could it be a message from me? For some reason, crazy as it seemed, Ruby found herself leaning towards this as the most convincing explanation. It just felt right. In Ruby's experience, the simplest reason was usually the right one. The more complicated, the more likely that there were lies involved. So, assuming it was a message from me, who and how? Maybe the how would answer the who. How had someone got access to those cadavers? The mortuary shifts ran from seven to four normally. Anything after four was overtime, and the mortuary was pretty much guaranteed to be unstaffed. When? Nighttime. Of course, it was locked at night, but that wouldn't stop someone with the right level of access. One approach would be to cross-reference the date the bodies in question were admitted with the night shift rotors. With literally hundreds of staff on, that could be like looking for a needle in the proverbial. Or maybe not. Someone had to have access to the notes for each patient, then be able to match those to which the fridge they were stored in. Someone, therefore, who had access to computer records. Someone had to know their way around the mortuary, or at least have been there before. And someone had to be connected to Ruby. If I go with the assumption that barks are messages for me. Just then, Ruby's email pinged. Hi, Ruby. Yes, I'm still waiting for your software requisition. There's always one, isn't there? Lawrence. P.S. Cheese night? Lawrence. He could fit the bill. Access. Knowledge. But what motive? Why would Lawrence want to send me messages that way? The message theory was feeling like a tottering edifice of shite. But when you've ruled out the possible, times are wasting, Ruby. Autopsies won't do themselves. Hold that thought for later. Ruby shut down her computer and went to get suited up for the first case of the day. Thank you.